0: Hi, this is Coach Jeff Wright, and in my podcast, Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors, we will take a deep dive with industry experts into different aspects of commercial real estate. My ultimate goal is to give you the knowledge, confidence, and belief that you can transact commercial real estate at a high level, just like you do with residential real estate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors. And I'm really excited to welcome our guest today, Mr. Ed Schulten. Welcome, Ed. A pleasure
1: and honor to be with you today.
0: It's great to have you. So I want to just start, if I could, with just giving our audience a little bit of bio background. I know you really well, so I know that you don't like me diving too deep into the past. (laughs) So for our audience, I'll just say that Ed has a blend of just really strong corporate sales experience and then experience as an entrepreneur out in the field, like we have to do belly to belly, creating sales and those sort of things. So Ed's career began with a name people are familiar with, Johnson & Johnson. And then in 1983, he went to the Pepsi world, PepsiCo, and actually worked three different divisions with big jobs, big sales-related jobs with PepsiCo. And in 1995, headed up a sales force, an international, their first international effort as a senior vice president for Pepsi. So congratulations for the success there. And, and as Ed told me, he... Like, he was spending way too much too much time across the ocean and away from family and said, that's enough. And then Ed decided to leave the corporate world and literally bought a franchise with Sandler. And he, the franchise he bought was called, he named it Sandler Pink, which I think is very appropriate. What year was that Sandler Pink, Ed? That
1: was in the early, maybe mid-2005, 2006, something like that.
0: Yeah, wow, wow. So two two careers all tied to sales, but one in corporate world and one in charge of your own destiny with the Sandler Peak. So I want to share with everyone how you came into my life. Uh, and I remember like it was yesterday. Literally in the year 2013, I had received from the Home Builders Association. Yeah. I had received a notice about an event and that they were going to have this marketing. Uh, presentation from a company called Sandler, literally dealt with selling luxury properties and just selling overall in that space. And the, the subject title intrigued me and because I was a guy who did a lot of work in subdivision developments. Um, so I remember going to the event and I remember going up front to talk to one of the gentlemen that worked for you. And I literally apologized to him and said, I'm going to be leaving a half hour in as... Nothing to do with your presentation, <laughs> nothing at all. But I wanted you to know that because I have another commitment that I have to attend, and I at least wanted to hear what this was all about. It was so good, where the material connected and resonated so well with me. And I'm a I'm a success junkie. Like I study people who have done great things, and and just continue to try to learn and improve from there. And it was just an approach in so many levels that I had not heard in my career before. So I ended up at that half hour mark, texting my next appointment and apologizing to them and staying to be able to listen to the rest of the presentation. And then I reached out to you, the owner of Sandler Peak, and we went on a journey. I reached Mm -hmm. out to you, said, this is so good. I want to see how you can be part of our team, your company, how you can get involved with us and really train the things that I heard. And so we started on a journey in 2014, and we've been together ever since, Mm -hmm. and it's really been an incredible blessing in my life, personally and professionally. You've elevated our team, and as you know, my real estate company has had high levels of success in Connecticut. Ten consecutive years, our real estate company has been the number one transacting firm, and I give credit in a lot of directions to a number of folks, but I give you as much credit with some of the things us.
1: Well, thank you. I, I think this uh, Remax franchise is gifted with a great leader and broker and uh, getting a chance to know you over the last 10 years has been a fun ride. So I'm really excited to be working with you in this new venture.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Excited to have you. So what I wanted to do, though, is some people aren't familiar, as I was not when I went to this presentation, with who Sandler is and, you know, Sandler Peak. Sandler is a franchise-based company, so Sandler Peak is, is your own franchise. Talk about Sandler. Like, wh- what is it about Sandler that, you know, allows you to create, if you will, the difference that you did in our firm and others? But just a little quick background on Sandler. Sure.
1: Well, Sandler's a 50-year-old, maybe a little bit older now, um, company. Um, started down in Baltimore. And the basic premise behind the firm, it's a global firm, by the way, we, we're probably the largest in the world at what we do. It's The premise started with um, when you're selling something, one of the first decisions someone reaches on the other person, the prospect reaches on the salesperson is, can I trust you? So when we, and I was certainly taught in the early years, I thought it was about talking, I thought selling was about talking. And I was trained to do it that way. And um, Sandler talks about the importance of actually if you're talking, you're wasting your time in the beginning because you're not listening in the beginning. What they're trying to do is figure out, can I trust you? And they're comparing you or comparing me against every other person they've met. And they're putting us in one of those boxes. Yes, I can trust this person. Or know there's, there's an ingenuineness about this person or some artificiality about them. I'm just not comfortable with it. There's a lot of things that happen in the first three to five minutes when you're approaching a new prospect. Uh, And a lot of it isn't what's in your head, it's what's in my head as as the prospect. I'm trying to make this first key decision. And most people are there presenting their company. And I'm not thinking about that. What I'm thinking about right now is, is the person in front of me going to help me solve my problem? In your case, is this person in front of me going to help me list a house and sell the house? Because I have other dreams once that happens, and I, I need to move. So I'm trying to figure out, are you the person? And so Sailor gave... Uh, all industries that we work in, uh, a common process on how to approach that. Uh, But most of it, if you think of one common principle, it would be the other person is more important than you or I am. And if you put their focus on them, when you initiate the conversation, they'll uh, feel uh, the genuineness in that connection and they'll want to tell you a little bit more about what their pain is and through this series we'll talk a little bit about this pain word because that's typically the driver behind why someone does something getting rid of the pain
0: okay so you've covered a whole bunch in a short period of time so i'm gonna make some comments for our audience to try to unravel or unpack what we just talked about. The first thing that I think about with Sandler World, first thing I think about having experienced this as long as I have with you, is that Sandler assumes, and both of us assume, that someone can learn the academic part. So in this commercial real estate for residential realtors, the assumption we make, and we know that someone is not born a great residential agent or born a great commercial agent. They just need to be a really good, want to be a good student, want to learn, have the desire to do that. So we know that we can teach that. I have no doubt in my mind anybody wants to learn this commercial real estate. But what people don't know, and this is where Sandler really helped me a lot, and I just call it how to do the what, like how. You know, if everybody could just do the academic part and, and know how to process or know how to communicate or know how to carry themselves, then everybody just go to the Internet, learn how to do that, and everybody would have marvelous success. But that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And I think from a Sandler perspective, that's a huge deal.
1: Yeah, it's very true that uh, if it was something you can just read, we would go to the Internet or pick up a book, we would read it and go, okay, I guess I'm trained in this, and I'm ready to go out and sell. But what's really interesting, because you're dealing with humans, right? right, person calling on you is a human being. Uh, you're call you know, the human being is talking back. I have all these things in my head while I'm presenting my company to you that are getting in the way of me being able to convey what I'm trying to convey to you. So while I'm talking about my company, I'm also having my own conversation in my head. How is this going? Do I think he's receiving me? Is this moving towards a potential close or is this not going to work? And it's very difficult to have two conversations going on at the same time and stay current. By the way, you're watching everything I'm doing. I'm not aware of that because I'm concentrating on what I'm saying but you're concentrating on everything that I'm doing with my body language and body language is very important. We've been reading that since we were kids on the playground. So, you know, most of the way we converse with each other is done with how our body is saying what our mouth is saying and I'm reading that. And when the words don't match our body language, we look in genuine to the person we're talking to. There's all kinds of signs that they can pick up that says we're artificial if we are that kind of person. So, our body language, plus the tone of my voice is very important. The surprising metric is only about 7% of what you and I communicate with is through words. Yet, we're trained on words. You just mentioned a few minutes ago that you can go online, read words, and you would leave there and and know how to do it. But only 7% of the way we communicate is through words. So that means our body language and the tone of our voice has much more impact than the words we're choosing to use.
0: So I'm going to transition from there and I'm going to say, I made an earlier comment that in 2014, when we started on this journey, you taught me things I didn't know. So I'm going to highlight what those things are. And I think what we'll do is we'll look at each one of them. So you've just dealt with the first one and the first one is I never understood that somebody was gonna make a decision in the first three to five minutes whether they could trust me or not. And I just heard you say that literally what they're making that decision is based on how I bring myself, so how I carry myself and and the number you taught us was that like fifty five percent of that decision is just how we present how we show up, how we present ourselves. So I often tell people, whether residential or commercial agents, if you have to fake it, like come in, have you have to bring confidence. You have to bring body language that says, I've got this. Then the second thing for the audience you said about the tonality and the fact that 38% is just how those words are, not words are coming out, how the sound and, mm. and, and then 7% are words. So that was that was a first aha moment. The second thing that and I, I thank you for this because it's helped me personally and professionally and everything I do in life. You shared with us and not necessarily in this order that 75 percent of humans are not okay themselves. They're not coming up to me and saying, you know what, Jeff, I'm not okay, right? I'm not okay. But the reality the science is that and if we don't if we make somebody feel more not okay, those people are going to tend not to work with us commercially or residentially. Can you just touch on that for a little bit, what sure. that's all about?
1: So this not okay principle is a, is a huge concept. A lot of research has been done on it. And you mentioned a pretty uh, interesting number, it's 75% of us are in this not okay category. Let's define okay as um, I like me. Um, Tomorrow's going to be better than today. I'm in a good spot in my career. My family life is going well. Let's define okay as that. So, obviously, feeling not okay is all the opposite of those things. And if you think about school from the very beginning, we are rated against each other. You know, the report cards come out. You know, sometimes they'll have stack rankings. And all that is typical of a competitive society. So you and I get used to comparing ourselves against each other. Well, psychologically, the damage that that does to me in my early life uh, can be significant because if I feel less than I think you are when I meet you, I'm going to feel submissive or smaller when I'm dealing with you because I'm obviously um, looking at Jeff and saying to myself, well, Jeff's got much more experience than I have. And, He's got a, a huge brokerage, and he's been very successful for a very long period of time. If I s- approach this prospect feeling not okay, that prospect is going to read it in me because it comes across in the body language, which is what we just mentioned. I can't hide it. funny thing about body language is it shows up a half a second before our words do. So you'll say something to me, it'll hit a chord, you'll see it in my body. My words won't match that body language because I'm trying to cover it. And that's when I'll look ingenuine and uh, distrustworthy. So the prospect puts those two things together and goes, ah.
0: And that's what, And but that's, to me, just what you explained, that was a aha moment, is that literally our bodies, before our words are coming out, our body is reacting and it's ahead of us. We can't control
1: it's how it works it's the first sign I'm telling you exactly what I'm thinking when you ask me something or uh, maybe have a follow-up question on something so this okay thing if I if it's true that 75% of us are not okay then I'm not buying from you if you make me more not okay now how can you make me more not okay here's a simple little example I'm thinking about listing my house or listing my office Uh, building, and uh, I tell you, so Jeff, you know, one of the concerns I have is it's it's dated. You're going to see when you come over here that there's some things we probably should have done a few years back, but, you know, we just forgot about them or didn't have a chance to get them done. So it's going to look a little dated. So you arrive for our first appointment. I'm seeing you for the first time in person. We've talked on the phone, but remember, I'm seeing that body language and all that stuff, so I'm seeing you for the first time. And you come in and you say well Ed, it is pleasure to meet you yeah i guess you're right it's, it's pretty dated as i'm looking around and basically what you said to me is you know what you probably should have done that earlier because you're absolutely right it's dated and i say to myself oh, he already found out that i'm not as good as he thinks i am now what do i do i should have updated this commercial building much earlier than i did or done something differently with my home well goods are out now. And now I feel not okay. And as soon as I lose my confidence, you read it. And as soon as you read it, you make a decision. I don't think this person has the ability to sell this property. I'll never know it because you'll never tell me. But what you will do is disappear. And that's how I know I didn't get to sale.
0: And and I tell everybody also just in their personal space that whatever you do, if you're going to do something, make somebody more not okay, knowing that they're already probably not okay it's not going to take a relationship what and again i'm not talking about personal necessarily marital relationship. i'm talking about just life, church organization sports Mm. organization whatever you're doing okay third thing we could talk forever so i'm going to try to i'm going to go the third thing that was an aha moment for me is that by the time you were introduced to me i had spent 30 years in sales and i thought that that 30 second elevator pitch i was trained on, learned that you're supposed to go in, and I could hear myself talking about the national brand, global company, and, and my own success, and just throwing up this stuff about me when this person I was talking to was thinking about themselves and their pain. And, and so one of the things you taught us, and for the residential realtors listening, is that you taught us that we need to talk in terms of pain and how we can help them and let something resonate or hit with them. And so, you know, to this day, when I talk to somebody about residentially helping them and somebody said, why should I hire you or whatever? I mean, one of the first things I'd say is that people hire me because they're concerned about leaving their hard-earned money on the table. You know, I'm not saying that somebody doesn't know how to price a home, but I'm saying they don't know how to price a home. Or the second thing in today's world, from a real estate standpoint, there's so much going on with the way people 13 bids on a house or no contingencies. So another thing that I'll say to them is people hire me because the real estate world right now is is more complicated than ever. And someone's fearful of making a mistake just overall. So anyway... The 30-second elevator pitch was another aha moment. The next thing you said, and you touched on it before, and so I just want to just repeat as an aha moment for me, is that you've taught us that because of a number of reasons, somebody's not okay and not trusting us fully or trying to figure out if they can trust us, that they don't always tell us right up front what the problem is, what their pain is. And so we've just gotta be cognizant of that as we go through the process and trying to go deeper with them to really understand just what the essence of what they're talking about is. Okay, the next thing I wanna talk about. And so remember the first time you said this. You said this told us that everyone in the room was born a ten. Everyone was born a ten. So we started in life at this high level, born a ten. And we don't most of us don't stay there. And I want you just unpack that a little bit for me just overall and just the audience because what you and i both believe in life and i talk about this in our commercial real estate program our high rises club program i talk about that there's another level mm. there's another level i think there's another level above that tent um, mm-hmm. but i talk about that greatness is within so just unpack for us a little bit about being born to 10 and what happens
1: so i think there was actually A book, uh, it titled Year of 10. I may not be totally accurate on the words on that, but it it was the idea behind it. And I still remember it because it's this three-year-old girl standing in the front of the ocean and uh, she's got her arms spread wide open and she's looking at the horizon. And this picture is from the side and you see her face, this happy face that she has. It's (coughs) almost like there's nothing I cannot do." As she's standing in front of this ocean, she has her whole future ahead of us. And most of us, not all of us, most of us start life with that kind of optimism. But in the spirit of people trying to improve us, our parents, our guardians, they'll start to critique us. And we'll take that critique to to heart, because I can't do all the good things that you can do. I have some things that I can do well, but if you compared yourself against another person, you're never going to be exactly the way they are. And sometimes our head will get caught up, and I'm not as good as you in this. I'm not as good as you in that. All of this starts triggering that earlier conversation we had about someone feeling not okay. So when you think about commercial real estate or getting better at selling residential real estate, so much of the feeling about whether you can get there or not starts up here. Here. It's is one big hard server. All the negative experiences we've had, all the positive things that have happened to us are in here. And most of us will doubt the strengths that we have or will doubt the ability that we have more so than compliment ourselves on the strengths that we do possess. And that ends up being one of the obstacles that's in the way of us reaching up to be a 10. Because if you don't realize you're a 10 and you start accepting being an eight, Eight's not too far from a seven, and a seven's not too far from a six. And it's very hard to start crawling back up that ladder once you have accepted, I guess I'm just a seven. And you have always taught your folks, uh, one of the areas I admire the most is that a lot of that comes from how a person perceives themselves, and there's a level past attack. ten, And uh, that's what a lot of this program is built on, is, is getting people to unleash the power that they actually really have so they can achieve what they should in life, that piece past being a 10.
0: And that's great. I mean, fundamentally, the reason why I believe that residential realtors can be successful in commercial real estate is because I call they've been given the God-given ability. They just need to unlock it. They just need to understand that they really can. And as you said so much, this program, the High Risers Club, but the folks that are working with us at another level is all geared to be able to help them understand that. Um, and and I say this often is that it's not just the belief. Someone absolutely has to put the work. They have to have the desire and they have to really want to be a great student to learn this stuff. But if they are going to do those things, there's no doubt in your mind or my mind that we can help them get to really great levels of success for themselves. Um, because we've spent both of our spent our lives, our careers, doing that with folks. So I think that's just just really great. Um, anything before we end?
1: I'll make, one, I'll make a comment because I wanted to tie into something that you said uh, a few minutes ago about someone talking about themselves. I'll, I'll give you a, a parallel industry that doesn't talk about themselves, but we trust them usually as soon as we meet them, uh, a physician, a medical physician. Now, I have never been in a doctor's office where I met the doctor for the first time and the doctor walks me over to the wall and says, I just want you to know before we talk about you, I want to tell you about me. So I went to Yale and then I did my residency at John Hopkins and all my patients love me. So I'm so glad that we got a chance to meet and I'm going to take great care of you. Uh, well, usually what a doctor does, at least in all my experiences, is, is they sit down and say, what's the problem? How are you feeling? What have you done about it? What's the pain associated with this? And that develops this level of trust that you and I are talking about. Even though I know very little about the doctor's background, I don't need to look at the diploma. They come across to you as a trusted advisor, so we trust them. Same thing happens in commercial and residential real estate. If you come across as a trusted advisor, you don't have to walk me over to the wall and tell me what your experiences have been. I will trust you, and I will hook my wagon onto you because you will get rid of my pain, which is why I'm asking whether you're the right person to represent my property.
0: Okay, I'm going to have one last question. Before I do the last question, I want you to address one other thing. It's that part of the reason why you talk about belief system or what people have told us growing up Part of the reason why some residential realtors don't believe they can have success with commercial real estate is because they've been told you're either a residential agent or a commercial agent. They don't realize that somebody like myself never looked at it that way. And I know if I can do it, they can do it. They can absolutely have success in both. You're somebody that's moved eight times. So did you have any understanding at all that you had to be one or the other? The industry said that? Or was your belief something different? It never came into my head. Um,
1: I, you know, as not uh, as not someone who is on the selling side of real estate, I, I would have been on the buying side plenty of times having the, to move around enough. I was interested in trying to understand, does this person have the ability to represent me in selling this property? Because I'm basically taking my dreams and aspirations of the last, in most cases, three to four years before I was moved again, and I'm handing it to you. And I'm I'm giving you all the responsibility of this. So I was trying to make a decision, can you do that for me? It never dawned on me. That you wouldn't represent all real estate in the particular area that I was looking at. I remember I was speaking as a prospect, not as a real estate uh, professional. But it would never dawn on me if I had an office complex or a restaurant or another kind of building, I would think it would be quite natural to go back to you because you represented my home so well. So when I have seen that and you and I have chatted about it, I find it so odd that uh, an agent wants to take themselves out of half or even more than half of the business in a particular market and say, I'm only going to represent homes. Because if I trusted you to list my home, I'm going to trust you to list my business. That's the way I would look at it. And I'm, that's why I'm so glad that you're, you're going to take this content and help folks do both because their commissions are going to go up, the compensation obviously is going to go up, they're gonna be represented as the trusted advisor of real estate and if you're gonna be in a business, why not be the trusted advisor?
0: And the market expert as I say, but I agree. So last question, ready? Do you have any doubt in your mind that a residential realtor can successfully transact commercial real estate? I I see no
1: obstacle that a residential agent can't overcome to sell commercial real estate. Um, It does take understanding the content, which I think you've done a great job putting the content together. A lot of the challenge comes from how they see themselves, and that's where the mindset content that we'll be working on will help help improve that. But there's no obstacle that I can see that would stop a residential agent from being successful in commercial. There's as much a need out there in commercial as there is in residential. And uh, it seems like if I were a real estate agent, I'd probably want to do both.
0: That's right. And you, know, now you said that was the last question. I'm going to make one last comment other than thank you. Is that you touched on the way our program, the way the High Risers Club works, which is all about commercial real estate for residential realtors, is not just learning the language of commercial real estate and how to transact it, but the mindset component that really ultimately, to me, makes the ultimate difference for someone's success. It's been great, my friend, once again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It'll be fun working with you. Always ask, man. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors. As a reminder, please subscribe to this podcast to receive new episodes as soon as they are released. For more information on me, my team, and my educational programs, visit my website at www.coachjeffwright.com. Thank you for listening, and here's to your success.